Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, if you have not already checked out the last episode, we went over the Night's Watch Hero Box 3 leak. Uh, we did miss Benjamin Stark Commander, so we will be throwing him in the mix here right at the beginning. That way, for those of you that uh, want to just kind of listen to this episode just for that portion, because let's say you're just a Night's Watch player and you could care less about the stinking Lannisters, um, you can kind of just listen to the first part of the show if that's uh, what you want, and kind of get... Uh, you know that take on it uh, and then we'll jump right into hero box three super excited there's a lot of things uh, about hero box three i am excited about um i've kind of <clears throat> as far as like all the factions um lannisters have really been creeping up the list for me uh especially with the new sculpts have kind of you know driven home like a new desire to play lannisters because um, I bought one of each of those starters, and um, you know I can't wait to kind of get uh, get some more play with this stuff. So, uh, but with that said, I'll introduce uh, our guest for tonight. Thank you so much, uh, Cyrus, for coming on, coming back on. Yeah, no problem. I am very happy to be here. Yeah, and you know I'm happy to have you on. I always uh, appreciate your takes and you know your input. Um, we do not have another host. Uh, Brett uh, um, had some family duties to attend to, and then um, our other host that we had on for the night uh, is not feeling well. Uh, so it'll just be us, but I think that'll be <laughs> I think that'll be more than enough, though. Uh, me and Brett took quite a while just to talk about Night's Watch. Um, granted, this box has a couple things that we already knew about because it was Kickstarter stuff, so uh, Benjen put in there should pretty much uh, break even with the amount uh, to talk about for this one. Yeah, Brett Brett may be a better player than me, but I love the sound of my own voice just as much as he does, so we will have no problem (laughs) filling airtime. That, you know, people probably can concentrate on your voice a little better since you don't have, uh, you know, all the extra, you know, sound effects. Uh, you know, the, don't, don't have DSL um, connection. <laughs> yeah, dial up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe I should uh, upload. I'll, I'll upload that audio or something to the show, and then every time Brett's talking, I'm gonna just hit that button. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with that said, we'll jump right into it because uh, you know the sometimes these uh, uh, shows can it. Some can take really long time, uh, surprisingly, for the amount to, that we're talking about, and some can kind of go quick. So to err on the side of caution, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, so like I said, first off, uh, we'll talk about Benjen. Um, let's see, Beyond the Wall is his uh, subname. He has Ranger Specialist. Um, <clears throat> Benjen may only be attached to a Ranger unit, um, which I... Uh, find interesting. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. So like I, I normally do with commanders, we'll talk about the commander card and then, or the commander attachment abilities and all three uh, cards and then kind of discuss it as a whole. Um, he has the order Hidden Traps uh, when an unengaged enemy in long range performs any action before resolving that action, that enemy suffers one hit for each of its remaining ranks and triggers a disorderly charge uh, 
or charge distance roll of one or two. I'm assuming because hidden traps was probably changed after this card was uh, printed because you have to realize a lot of these boxes are already preset and made way in advance. You know, they're not like just, you know, they get, it's not like they just give them the order and they print, you know, and make these boxes the next day. Um, this has probably been wrapped for a while, but, you know, you, you, have, you can't just release everything instantly after it's ready and done. That's just not how the logistics work. Um, so that's what I'm guessing. I can't imagine they're going to – it would be confusing to have a bunch of different hidden traps out there, uh, like different versions. Uh, and then he also has disrupt. Enemies engaged with this unit suffer minus one to hit. Uh, his first card is Hunter's Insight, sort of a friendly turn. Target one enemy in long range of a friendly ranger unit and choose one. Uh, so if I recall, this is actually the same exact card that he has for his uh, foot, ver- uh, like infantry version, which is yeah, target one. one. Yeah. yeah, so the options would be one friendly unit in long range of that enemy forms a three and shift. One enemy unit may reroll attack and charge distance ice when targeting that enemy this turn. And that enemy may not use orders or be target of friendly uh, taxes cards this turn. Uh, his next one is Marshal, a very common uh, uh, card for a mounted commander. When an, an unengaged uh, friendly cavalry unit activates once this turn, if that unit would perform a maneuver action, instead per, of performing that action, it may restore three wounds and remove one condition token. And then his last card is Ride by Attack, again, a very common uh, mounted commander uh, card. When a friendly cavalry unit selects its action during its activation before resolving that action, as its action, that unit may pivot, then perform one march action, even if engaged. It may move through enemies during this march. Enemies it disengages from may not pivot. After completing this march, one enemy it moved through suffers one wound, plus one wound for each of its the enemy's remaining ranks. So... Um, I want to say there's there's a lot of cool things with, with this commander. Um, I don't think he's going to be some crazy top-of-the-pack commander, but I think he's going to provide a lot that uh, Night's Watch is, I wouldn't necessarily say lacking, but, you know, it's going to be a different play style. And especially if you're used to facing a certain Night's Watch build, this might come at you sideways and throw some tricks in there that you're not really expecting. Uh, I think uh, out of everything, uh, Hunter's Insight is a very uh, um, very good card. Just for the last effect, the enemy may not use orders or be a target of friendly taxes cards this turn. Uh, the very last game I actually played, I was, Knight's, I was playing as Night's Watch with Benjen uh, Infantry Commander, who has this card, and I outflanked my Vanguard behind some uh, Lannister Guardsmen, and I got lucky and drew uh, back-to-back Hunter's Insights with uh, back-to-back hit and runs, and I was able to uh, charge in, attack, uh, without fearing for uh, Lannister supremacy. Um, And then later on, jumping out of combat, and then uh, charging back in using the second Hunter's Insight. So super strong card. Um, 
Another one that comes to mind is uh, resilience on like uh, stagnites. There's a lot of cool uh, defensive orders that this card can get around. Uh, set for charge, shield wall. So um, I would say this one card uh, is kind of like what I find to be, you know, kind of the gem out of all of it. Not that none, you know, everything is good in here, but uh, Hunter's Insight is kind of the card you're hoping for. Um, I would say the fact that Benjen has to go in a ranger unit and obviously a, a, a cavalry ranger unit, and I can't imagine they're going to get another one, uh, does make it very limiting. It means he's literally only ever going to be comboed with vanguard or trackers. Um, and I would say, the, in my opinion anyways, the um, much better option of the two would be the, the trackers. It just provides that much more support for a six-point unit with a commander in it. Disrupt, so you can really just, you know, make them not worth even going after. But then you got that mark target, you got that range shot, you got the hidden traps. A whole lot of craziness with uh, with that combo. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Benjin here? So, yeah, like you said, they're not going to... He's not going to be the best Night's Watch commander, but he's going to be throwing some curveballs because there's some pretty wild stuff that you can do. Now, only being able to place him in a Ranger unit was absolutely necessary. I mean, if you think about Flayed Men with Disrupt, that's the stuff that Nightmares are made of. But <laughs> if you put Yeah, him, but you can already do say, that. Oh, good. Uh, you, you can, can, you can do that with, with Targaryens. Yeah, because they got the co. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's it's still not great. And it's not uh, and it's not as effective because Night's Watch want the Night's Watch units for their cards. So I don't right. know, maybe it's because the Night's Watch have their card. I don't know. But go ahead. I don't know. Making it free though. I mean, a free disrupt plus traps. I mean, that's that's a lot to be putting in a in a in a Blademan unit. But uh, regardless, yeah. I I do think that Vanguard aren't getting the run that they might need. And this commander can actually make them go pretty crazy. If you think about putting Benjen in a unit of Vanguard and going ahead and outflanking them and bringing him in behind the enemy line, if they turn around and try to face them, they're going to get trapped. And with Vanguard, their speed and their free maneuver means that they're going to have to choose one of their units to turn around and deal with it, and that Vanguard unit might just charge a different unit instead of the one that turned around. So I think that when when Benjen Mounted Commander comes out, you might see some more Ranger Vanguard hit the table, especially with ride-by attack, because if you have a unit that pops behind the enemy line and you have cavalry in front, that could potentially just ride-by attack and end up in the rear uh, of the enemy line anyway, you got uh, you got just mass confusion along your whole line uh, that you don't know which direction that you want to face. That you got enemy in front and behind you. They're just flying all over the place. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be some pretty wild things that you'd be able to pull off with this. Hunter's Insight is a great card itself, and Marshall being able to give some healing to cavalry since they're they're going to be lacking in healing in Night's Watch because Amon doesn't synergize very well and Take the Black does not work on Cavalry. So they need some healing in order to stay in the game. So 
I think that that's a great include as well. Uh, I'm pretty excited about Benjamin. I think he's going to be going to be pretty fun to to play and uh, and experiment with, especially like you said with uh, trackers, because even if they do get charged, you could still potentially ride by attack the trackers and not worry about their horrible melee attack profile, and then they just end up riding into the back or the side of the enemy line and, and wreck havoc themselves. So there's some pretty good stuff that you could pull off with, with this commander. I didn't lose you, did I? Oh, sorry. I was uh, muted. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> I was asking, um, uh, so how do you feel about him having Marshall and Ride by Attack? Because I feel like a lot of the mounted commanders kind of already have those cards, and you have a lot of similarities like that. It almost feels like uh, the uniqueness goes away just a little bit. It does, but with the two, like there's there's the only the two uh, – Ranger cavalry units that he can work with, uh, and both of them I think benefit greatly from from those cards. Going with some completely different card might actually, like it could provide a cool ability, but it, would it be really what they need? Uh, I think Marshall and Ride by Attack are both necessary to make a Night's Watch cavalry list function. So uh, yeah, it kind of sucks to to see a little bit of repetition in the in the cards, but uh, as far as what he brings to the table and how Night's Watch can use it, I think it's fine. I would have actually, instead of Ride by Attack, I would have, I think, much preferred uh, uh, Swift Retreat. So after an enemy completes melee attack, you get a free retreat because that could really help combo. Because the one thing with Marshall has so much potential of a card but I find myself often either needing that maneuver or not being damaged yet. So I feel like uh, swift reposition or not uh, swift retreat. You know, you could get like weakened. Let's say uh, I don't know something hits you and you become weakened, whether it be like bloody mummers or something. You can swift reposition or swift retreat from that attack, get out of the combat, activate them play Marshall, heal those wounds, take away that weekend, and now charge back in. Um, I think that, that would have provided like some cool combos. Um, uh, ride by attack, though, is good. Uh, I can't tell you how many times you, know, you ride by attack, take off a whole rank, get in their backfield, and you know it's like a lose-lose situation. So um sure. i don't know uh, uh if you if you do really want the swift retreat you can run the one point watch marshall and he gives the uh swift retreat and i believe adaptive methods to change tokens around uh which is a great uh set of abilities for one point so wait is that the right yeah i think it's the right one uh so yeah i think uh if that's what you're going for and that would actually fit really good in this army uh, it would be really hard oh, to tie yeah, down right. a unit. Yeah. I completely uh, If they have they both that. ride by attack and swift retreat, I mean, you're never going to be able to tie down a cavalry unit. They're just going to go where they want. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, that's a great point. So maybe like Benjamin and Tracker, like for me anyways, personally, I'd maybe Benjamin and Trackers run some Vanguard with the Watch Marshal. You know, you can even um, use the trackers to mark target and then um, adapt the planning to turn it into something else uh, and then charge in, you know, do the shenanigans. They attack you before you're ready. Get out, marshal. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool uh, synergies there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't run. With... Uh, I wouldn't run a full cavalry army because then take the take the black is just a dead card. Uh, so you might throw in you know a set of ranger hunters in there just to keep the ranger synergy going for the hunters insight. Uh, so yeah, the, I think that <laughs> I think some pretty decent armies are capable. Oh yeah, definitely. I I would probably just kind of limit it because. Marshall and ride by it's it's a hefty four cards of twenty that require cavalry, but I think just having two in your in your army would be plenty to really make use right. of those yeah. four cards so yeah. yeah, I think I would just probably run one tracker one van- vanguard with him, uh whether depending on your play style is where I would put him either in the trackers or the vanguard, then you can you know run some hunters in there to help with the keyword because that will be one downside of running the this commander is he does not provide that affiliation. It'd be kind of pointless if he did because uh but uh so um. Yeah, I would run a hunter unit just to at least have three. Whenever I'm kind of running a sub-faction, I like to, depending on the cards, I like to try to make sure I have at least three uh, in there, with the exception of Tully, since, you know, he only has uh, one card that even cares. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah. he's an interesting commander. I can't wait to def- definitely can't wait to try him out. I'm always, you know, so the other at- thing... Looking closer at Hunter's Insight, the only requirement is that you have a ranger unit uh, within long range of the target, but then all three of the benefits don't require a ranger unit to benefit from them. Yep. So let's say you did run Flayed Men and Night's Watch. They could benefit from the the re-rolling charge distance dice or the not being able to use orders or all three. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, if they ever actually make it to where Night's Watch could only have one card attached to each unit, I think you see a lot more neutrals being run. Uh, but Flamen become a legitimate option, especially if you play Hunter's Insight and then charge with these Night's Watch Flamen and then throw a Sword of the Darkness to make the enemy uh, vulnerable and panicked. That's a hell of a hit that they're going to have a hard time recovering from. So, yeah, even with the neutral cavalry, there's some good options. Or even, um, you know, any of these options, because any of his three cards will work with non-Night's Watch units. Um, And then any of the three effects for Hunter's Insight would be awesome for Flademan. You know, if they have a defensive order and you just completely turn it off in order for the flayed men, like you said, throw the sword in the darkness and, you know, just really crush this, 
you know, supposed defensive unit that, you know, defensive because they have that order, or even um, uh, a friendly unit in long of the enemy performs a three-inch shift. That's going to be a three-inch shift with a free five-inch maneuver and then a five-plus D6 charge. Like, you can really, you know, anyone who's played with or against Wendemir can tell you how powerful a three-inch shift is at the start of a friendly turn. It throws off your calculation on a lot of stuff, especially a ranged unit. You know, you have, uh, let's say, you run some builder crossbowmen in this list, and, you know, you're staring down your opponent's ranged unit, and neither of you can get in range of each other, and then they activate thinking, okay, I'll just stay outside of your your reach. You get this three three inches, then you shift your additional two when you shoot, and now you've shot them, uh, for that round when they couldn't shoot you, especially if you go first the next round, you can take that free attack and then, you know, get even more uh, more dice on them. So, so yeah, there's a lot of play with uh, with Benjamin here. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how he, uh, how he uh, fleshes out. All well, right. Well, that's so, enough of the uh, Lannister episode talking about Night's Watch. Let's get into these Lannisters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... I'm going to briefly talk about uh, the two that have already um, that were uh, that are in this box that we already knew about, and that's uh, Gregor Clegane, Mounted Behemoth, and Jamie Lannister, Maimed Hostage. Um, we talked about them a while back when the, all this stuff first got changed. Um, so, for those that don't know, you know Gregor, he's got the two auto wounds and uncontrollable rage. He was three points, I believe, originally, and they reduced him down to two. Am, am uh, I no, correct? I, I think he's still three points. Yeah, because it he's says three, three here, but oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I could have sworn they brought him down to two. Maybe I'm thinking of. I think uh, they reduced his uh, infantry model down. Oh yeah, Tywin's. Mad Dog. Mad Dog, yeah. Isn't, uh... Oh, okay, yes. That's why I'm confusing. I'm thinking it's the infantry and it's the cavalry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes, the cavalry one is three points, um, which comes in this box. Uh, yeah, it's very expensive, especially because uh, I would say Nice Castle Rock or Flayed Men are really the only place you would ever put him. And with that right. said, uncontrollable rage is not going to trigger that often, which I know any maybe newer person reading this ability might be like, well, why would I want to fail that? Well, you want to get that auto charge on a six, meaning you can't disorderly. Uh, and if you're positioning your guys right, um, you're going to charge who you wanted to charge anyways. But with that six up, it's you know that's why like the one on foot you you know you put them in mountains men or something or something with a seven up morale uh so you at least have a 50 50 of failing and only at two points the cavalry is already kind of expensive so gregor here though you know it's it's a lot of eggs in one basket i'll put it like that because you know even though it's going to be an 11 point unit it is going to hit like a truck and you're going to have to hope that you are the one doing the hitting first because, uh, you know, that many points for something like this, um, you know, it can be killed uh, easier than you think. All right. 
So Jamie Lannister, cap, uh, main hostage. He has uh, he's one point. He has he's before deployment. You uh, put him in an enemy infantry unit, ignoring attachment restrictions. Just remember when you do that, the owning player of the unit gets to place the order of the attachment so they could put let's say their attachment as the last and then put jamie as the second to last um he has valuable captive gives plus one morale to the unit so you will be giving your enemy a small buff but the downside is that jamie when he's destroyed um will give an extra victory point to you um so um and that's when jamie dies so if they put jamie second to last in hopes to save that their attachment as soon as jamie's gone is when you get that victory point not the unit and then he has vengeful captive while you control the crown the unit suffers minus one to hit super underused attachment in my opinion um especially you see a lot of these armies already having these like crazy high morale uh lists and it's like well you know that plus one morale becomes a lot less uh useful when you're already like geared towards you know never uh, failing morale anyways so um highly underused but that's always also probably because uh um lannisters have so many great uh, attachment options um before we move on uh do you have any uh, opinions about these two gregor or jamie yeah mount of behemoth uh it's it's pretty tough to bring him because he's the full three points. And when you look at the uncontrollable rage, you want to think about the best case scenarios like, Oh wow. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a free charger. Uh, It is not, it's, it's rarely ever going to be a free charge uh, or a free six edge charge. So you can't really count on that. So you're almost spending a full three points to deal two extra wounds which is not nothing, but it's not, not necessarily worth it. So he doesn't get a whole lot of run. Mains Jamie, I think, should have been played a lot more. Now he was a Kickstarter inclu- uh, exclusive. Not everybody had access to him, uh, which might have been part of it. But the Joffrey uh, sideways adjustment, won't call it a buff, won't call it a nerf. It was, they took away the, the panic, but uh, moved him to five points kind of hurts him a little bit because now the MCU is more expensive and you're spending a point to maybe be able to cash in, cash in on later in the game. Uh, it's kind of a tough ask when Lannisters are already pretty squeezed for points right now. So uh, I really like the design space. I like the, the valuable hostages or captives like him and Rickon or uh, commanders that are worth extra points if they die. It's cool. It, it makes you want to zero in on them. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a tough ask right now. Yep. All right, so jumping into the actual new stuff that uh, we're excited to try out. I know a lot of people have already been testing a bunch of the stuff, and I don't blame you. Um, we, In my gaming group, we've been testing some of this uh, already. The only thing we've been kind of avoiding is the commanders, just because of the commander, like, tactics cards and whatnot. But uh, first up, we'll talk about... Adam Marbrand, trusted bannerman. So he is two points. I'm a little surprised, uh, but he gives uh, Jamie's vassal. This model counts as Jamie Lannister when its unit is being targeted by Tactus cards and Jamie's protector. After Jamie Lannister's unit, this unit performs one attack or charge action on the attacker. Now, with that said, this is a funny. This is funny wording. 
Um, let's see. He does not have any text saying any special requirements. So you can put Jamie Lannister uh, maimed hostage in a unit for your enemy. You can attack them with, let's say, a ranged attack and then charge that unit with Adam Marbrand. I don't, I don't think, think that's, that's how intended. that works. No, I don't think that's how that works because it's the. I think there's a defender and an attacker requirement. Sorry, my computer just died, so I'm not able to look at it. But it says that. So. Uh, yeah, there's a attacker and defender requirement that I think prevents that. Really, hmm. I'll have to look yeah. into that. I'm sure. I'm almost positive. Either way, it's not intended. So even if I am right. There's no way that has, that could be intended, because um, <laughs> right. that'd be a little nutty. <laughs> um, yeah, it works. Especially because the end result would be Adam essentially killing Jamie. <laughs> um, but anyways, besides that interaction, um, Jamie's protector and vassal, I don't know if that's worth two points. Um, you compare it to something like Newt, I know... Some would say Newt's not a great example because of how good Newt is. But uh, Newt has Vassal with, in my opinion, a commander that has much better tactics cards. Um, he has uh, Motivated by Coin and Furious Charge, all for one point. And you have Adam Marbrand with Vassal and Jamie's Protector, which anyone who's played Baratheons knows that... Um, that ability, or even uh, Hodor and Summer. I guess that's a little different. Summer's a little easier to maneuver in there to get that little effect off. But anyone who's played Bran to try to get that effect off on um, Renly knows that it's not easy. So I just can't see him being played. Uh, but I do like, if he was one point, I think you'd see definitely see him played. But at two, I'm not quite sure. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not seeing it. I mean, discarding the fact that there's already debate on how targeting works with this card, and if Jamie's cards are actually targeting him for him to count as Jamie, uh, right now it looks like maybe one and a half cards will actually work, the half being that he'll get an auto pass, but he doesn't get the bubble that Jamie gets with uh, one of Jamie's cards. That That's kind of tricky and kind of holds him back a little bit. The other part is the, the, the protector ability itself. You have to be already in position to be able to charge or attack the unit that just attacked Jamie. It's not like Sentinel where it gives you a maneuver to where you can maybe get into position to be able to attack them. You'd either have to put him in a ranged unit or do some very obvious pre-positioning like, okay, I got Adam over here and I got Jamie right here, so you can, you don't know that if you attack Jamie, then, then Adam's going to attack you. People are going to see that coming a mile away. Uh, so, yeah, I just I can't see spending two points for that. Uh, if it was one point, maybe. But, yeah, I'm not seeing it with Adam attachment. Yep. Um, so... I'm pretty positive that after one, um, I'm not going to say the next round of changes come because by the time this box hits, 
this is a discussion I've had with my group is that by the time these boxes hit the global shelf, not because I know they're released in some areas and not others, by the time they hit enough shelves to where they like reach that point where they start collecting the data, um, I am not entirely positive that these hero boxes will see any changes in the next round of uh, changes. We might have to wait the change after that, but who knows? You know, they might deem something important enough to jump it ahead of the line, and you know, we'll have to wait and see. So, um, next up is Kyburn, uh, Forbidden Knowledge. He is uh, one quick, point. Uh, my, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, my good. computer just decided to spring back to life. So the wording for Jamie's protector is: after Jamie's unit is attacked, this unit performs one attack or charge action on the attacker. So you'd have to be attacking oh. yourself. Okay. So yep, work. you're right. I, right. After you said that, I was reading the like first, like pretty much everything except for the last word, and I'm like, I don't know where he's coming up with that whole attacker defender yeah. thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, you are correct. So that is a good thing. Okay, I am. Jumping, jumping the gun on that craziness. Um, but, uh, yeah, with Kyburn, one point. Both abilities are innate, and that's something I forgot to mention. Jamie Lannister, main hostage, both his abilities are innate, so you can't take them away. And Adam Marbrand, his vassal ability, not Jamie's protector, is uh, innate. Anyways, Kyburn, he reminds me a lot of uh, kind of like uh, – Jojen, granted, uh, Kyburn only being one more point is, in my opinion, probably going to see a lot more play than Jojen. Anyways, he has experiment uh, enhancements. This unit's melee attacks gain plus one to hit and vicious. Opponents cannot expend weakened tokens on this unit while it is attacking. And he has violent reactions. This unit suffers minus one to defense dice rolls. Excuse me. Um... I'll let you take away take it away on this one. What uh, what are your thoughts? All right, I had some fun discussing this because uh, the the obvious home for him would be in Pyromancers. Uh, now that yep. does make it an eight point unit, but you're going to have Pyromancers hitting on twos. The vicious will overlap, but weakened tokens really, really, really hurt Pyromancers because what they want to do is they want to come in and they want to knock two ranks off of that unit between their hits and their panic test. And if they get yep. weakened, they're going to end up missing almost just as many as they're going to hit. And they also will probably do self-damage, which really, really hurts. So being able to get the most out of him with Pyromancers is, is probably his best home. And the violent reactions minus one to defense saves won't matter because they're already saving on sixes. Um, yep. There, there are a fair amount of units where – you could have some fun with Kyburn, but then you're starting to feel the effects of that minus one to defense save. Uh, potentially, it, 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 it almost become a meme just to say, yeah, Halberdiers or City Watch or Poor Fellows. I mean, they're not going to suffer from their defense saves. Uh, but I don't think you're going to be getting as much return on the offense as you would with Pyromancers. So I think that they're his first home. Uh, he's not going to be for every list. Uh, you're going to have to go into it with with 
you know him and your Death Star unit that uh, that's going to be hitting hard, but might not be defending as well, and you're going to have to protect that unit. But he will be fun to play around with, I think. Uh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, you stole the suggestion right out of right out of my thoughts. Um, well, Power Man, you should have led. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about it, but I was like, you know what? I keep leading on all these. I want to see what uh, what your take is. But yeah, pyromancers. <laughs> I think um, the fact that exactly as you said, you know, even though the vicious overlaps, so does the negative. So really, you ask yourself: Is not being weakened and plus one to hit worth one point? And in my opinion, easy yes, because it is innate. You can't take it away. Um, so that's always going to be the case. They're always hitting on twos. You know, granted, uh, so I shouldn't say always hit antis. You can minus it. Um, but, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, you can minus it, but, you know, you're going to be starting hitting on twos, and you're never going to be able to expend a weakened token. So they could place a weakened on you uh, for what it's worth, um, but they can't expend one, uh, which can... Uh, I know that works with some things. I think it's like broken resolve uh, with uh, if you're a mirror match with Lannisters, they could throw weakened on you, throw broken resolve, minus two year um, uh, uh, morale tests uh, while you're weakened. And because they can't expend it, you would have to heal it. Otherwise, it would be stuck there for the game. But yeah, uh, I think that's the easy, uh, easy place for him. Um, another one that you could consider is uh, Poor Fellows. Poor Fellows already have a six uh, defense. They're only four points, so putting them to five points, um, and they'll be able to take advantage of the plus one to hit, the Vicious, and no weakening. Now you got to ask yourself, is that really worth it? Are the Poor Fellows really going to be taking advantage of all those effects? Who knows? But if you wanted to try them in there, if you get tired of throwing them in pyromancers and you want to experiment, I think it wouldn't be a horrible idea. So, um, so yeah, I think Kyburn's interesting. We'll have to kind of see how it goes. Um, another one that wouldn't be horrible would be Cutthroats. You would be going from a 5-up save to a 6-up, but in a lot of cases there's, you know, vulnerables and minuses uh, or uh, sundering. So... You know, you're just kind of retroactively saying, I, I get it, I get it, I'm a six. I'll just, you know, make my six, <laughs> make myself a six from <laughs> yeah. the get-go. But, you know, or, or, you know, I, the more I say that, they're already vicious, but still, plus one to hit um, and no weaken. But then I guess you could always just run Mandon Moore, or you could run both. You could run two cutthroats, one with uh, Kyburn and one with Mandon Moore. But I don't know, That's it'll be uh, interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, you could um, even run them in Lannister Guard. I mean, you'd be going from a 3-plus to a 4-plus, which 4-plus is decent enough, but it would give them just a little bit more punch when they're in combat. So now you're really going to have to question, like, am I going to attack them now that they're a 4-plus? But if I miss, I still have to deal with supremacy. Or do I let them attack me, and they're hitting on a 3-plus with Vicious, and I can't weaken them. So it, you're going to have to have, you know, you're going to have to choose, you know, which one you want to deal with. Yep. And um, I would say um, mercenaries, but uh, to be totally honest, uh, mercenaries with Kyburn basically just become a worse cutthroat. You reduce your save down to a cutthroat. 
you increase your to hit to a cutthroat. <laughs> um, yeah. You, you do, have you less do get the dice at two ranks. Coin, but that's not as good as the uh, the the ruthless aggression and the, and the, and the, and the rerolls. Yeah, that's a better ability. Uh, you will get vicious, but they already have vicious. Um, the cutthroats do. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. So it'll be interesting. Interesting to see. I like his design space. So, um, all right, moving on. We have Sir Robert Strong, the Silent Giant. Now I'm going to be totally honest. I had no idea he was ever called that. Um, I'm oh, in the portion okay. of the books. Uh, well, I'm in the portion of the books right before he like comes back to life, uh, or right. whatever he is. Um, uh, so I had never heard it in the books, and I don't. I've seen the show quite a bit, and I want to say they've never actually called him this in the show. No, um, so that's why it was. I thought it was legitimately Robert. Like I was like, oh, they're going like pre, uh, <laughs> like they're going way back when Robert was like this crazy person, because no, uh, the only thing that's canon in the game is Robert's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for now. Um, So, with that said, uh, he is three points. He may not be fielded in an army that includes Gregor Clegane. It may only be fielded in an army that includes Kyburn or Tormund, uh, or Tommen, Tommen Baratheon next in succession. Um, And we'll get to Tommen in a minute. But, uh, so, Sir Robert Strong, three points. He gives you resilience and unstoppable wrath. So unstoppable wrath is the two auto wounds every time you attack. And then resilience is an order uh, when an enemy performs an attack on this unit after rolling the attack dice, meaning you would have to decide before you see what you roll. Um, This unit only suffers one wound for every two unblocked hits. Um, I want to say I think it's totally fair. I know a lot of people have had mixed feelings about uh, Robert Strong. Um, I think it's fair in the sense that you'll see him once in a while, but I think anything less than three points and he'd be ridiculous. Uh, Two auto wounds is crazy good. Resilience is crazy good. Um, He is three points with a requirement of taking other stuff. So... We'll kind of have to see. It's interesting because he does have an offense and defensive ability, which you don't see a lot. You see a lot of uh, abilities that are stacked in one direction or the other. Or you might see like a, uh, what you would call it, more of a tactical ability combined with defense or tactical combined with offense or offense, offense, or defense, defense. Very rarely do you see this like super strong offense and super strong defensive ability. You could pretty much put him in almost anything and they become scary. Uh, you know, not necessarily like super, like super scary, but you know, like, man, that's, that's going to be tough to deal with. So, um, which I think is kind of fitting, you know, it's, being who is in the unit, he's like, oh, look, this unit of uh, uh, mercenaries are uh, now only are now seven points. Now they have uh, two auto wounds every time they poke you, and then resilience, uh, making them uh, fairly unmovable to most things. So, what uh, 
What are your thoughts on him? Do you think uh, you think you'll be running him anytime soon? Uh, I'll save the answer for that question here in just a second. <laughs> I first saw him, and I'm and I was like, okay, let me wrap my head around what this guy could mean. I was on the discords, and I was seeing everybody talk about during the reveal as like, ah, it's a three point attachment that doesn't have relentless. He's dead to me. It's worthless. Dead on arrival. I'm never gonna run him. And I'm sitting here looking at him was like, I really like this. Yes, I am going to run him, and here's why. The most deadly combination in Song of Ice and Fire is still in the Lannisters, and that is a version of Gregor Clegane in a unit of pyromancers with Joffrey Commander, and you will obey me. For nine dice that potentially have no defense saves with Two auto wounds. Yep. That just, I, I would absolutely love to be and able vicious. to get that. Now, <laughs> yeah, and vicious. Now, the problem with that before is that you put a two point Gregor in Pyromancers, they're going to get blown away by a stiff breeze because they have absolutely nothing to help keep them alive. Now they do. Because this works even on ranged attacks, which was the bane of the Pyromancer's existence. They would just have arrows rain down on them. Now they're going to hang in to the point where they're still going to be able to pull off a charge. And if you hit hard enough, this guy is going to make units evaporate. Now, Pyromancers are not the only unit that he'll be good in. Like you were saying, you could throw them in mercenaries. Granted, it's a seven-point unit of mercenaries, but they're st- they got that combination of offense <laughs> and defense like you were talking about. It's pretty interesting. Yes, he is three points. He does not provide an extra pseudo-activation. I get it. I understand. But the activations game is not the Lannister's game. The Lannisters are never going to out-activate anyone. They are stuck as being either a four combat unit in three NCU or a five combat unit in two NCU. They're pretty well stuck at seven activations. Why not lean into it by running a 10-point unit that you're going to have a hard time killing and is going to punch you in the face? That's what Robert Strong brings. I absolutely love it, and I plan on running the heck out of him, even though he is very expensive. (laughs) Yep. Um I think uh, that's a great point. You know, that's something that, you know, any time you feel like your faction is not very great at activations, and I would, I would definitely agree with Lannisters being one of the ones that have a hard time with that, especially with poor fellows being kind of meh now at four points uh, with what they do. Um, you know, one good way to even out those activations is having these uh, units that can just really, you know, turn the tables. You know, you get that one attack in, and it's like, all right, awesome. You know, you might not have died and lost your activation, but you're down to your last rank pretty easily. Um, especially if you wanted to, you know, because you have to run Kyburn or um, uh, Tommen. You, as we were just saying, you run two Pyromancers, one with Kyburn and one with Robert Strong. And granted, again, that's that's a ton of points. You're looking at uh, a 10-pointer and an 8-pointer. But, you know, you you surround it with some cheap Lannister Guardsmen to kind of make up for the fact you're spending all these points. Whatever your, you know, Joffrey, because what would that be? You'd have, let's say, two Guardsmen, 
Joffrey and his uh, um, unit. Um, so in his Kingsguard, so that's uh, 16 plus 9, 25, 25 plus 8. Uh, that's one point too much. So I don't know. Yeah, figure it. Probably because there's eight eight points well, for yeah. I, I think you'll be able to pull off like a poor fellow and then three MCUs. I think I think you can get there. I wasn't quite doing the math with you. I think you were overcosting one thing, but uh, yeah, I think Joffrey's the way to go because his unit is really good for the points anyway. So you're probably saving some points there. Uh, so yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Or, like you said, yeah, three NCUs. If I am off by only one point, you take out one of the guardsmen, save yourself a point, run a four-point NCU, um, and now you have the these two pyromancers, one super hard to kill. You have Joffrey's King's Guard. There's so many cool things you could do. So I'm personally excited to run him. Uh, I think resilience is a crazy good ability. Um, it is not as crazy as I initially thought. Anyone that goes way, way back when this was first uh, introduced with Stagnites, um, you know, it's definitely not as crazy as I thought. I still think it's insanely good. Um, you just have to, um, the one way around it, you just have to be, uh, be attacking them multiple times around because once you get through that first attack on them to use that order, um, because they do have to declare it before they roll. So, you know, uh, if you attack the first time, they're like, okay, I'll, I'll save it. You know, you could put a lot of damage through on that. Um, but we'll have to see. I'm Just, excited. Uh, uh, real, real quick on resilience, because uh, resilience gets a bad rap. It's an order, so it's a once, you know, per. It's not quite as good as Harden, but Harden doesn't kick in until you've already taken down a rank or two. Resilience takes effect, you know, right off the bat on the very first attack. Now, a lot of melee attacks are hitting with seven dice now. It's pretty common. A lot of just straight-up infantry units are hitting with seven dice. Let's say that that unit hits all seven dice, and you fail all of your defense saves. Resilience means that you block four wounds from being taken, and you'll only take three off of those seven attack dice. That's powerful. Yep. Especially with the uh, Lance Cav and even just a lot of these, like, really hard-hitting things, you know, they're going to want to avoid your resilience units because, you know, you're having all damage or more, depending on, you know, that extra die, um, which way it falls. Uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely something that a lot of uh, people have to keep in mind, that – it's it's not about the quality of the attack. It's about the quantity of attacks, and a lot of a lot of times it comes down to just a you know, oddly enough, going to use the reference, but a dice game. You know, it's it's going to come down to how well you're rolling those panic tests after each attack, and um, you know how many attacks you can get in. Because as you were mentioning, you know they may have uh, uh, villainous. Uh, Right, villainous visage. Uh, that's, that's the name of a card <laughs> for a game I used to play. Um, but uh, horrific visage um, to help like push a little extra damage. But that effect often doesn't change how much damage you're going to take, unless you happen to take off a rank and they lose a die or two. Um, but a lot of times, at least in my experience, that doesn't tend to be the case. Um, so. 
you you know you're sitting there with a six up save with a six up morale. Um, so it's it's definitely uh, it puts them over the over that edge of uh, you know glass cannon. You know you're spending ten points, but I think it's well worth it. All right, so going into the NCU's. First up, we're going to talk about Kyburn, Master of Whispers. Uh, he has little doves. Kyburn begins the game with four order tokens. Each time an enemy NCU claims a zone, before resolving that zoned effect, uh, that zone's effect, you may remove one order token from Kyburn. If you do, gain the following based on that zone. If they cl- uh, enemy claim the crown, one enemy becomes panicked. If uh, if they claim the wealth, one enemy combat unit suffers one wound. If they claim the attack, uh, attacker counts as having one less rank for attack dice. They claim the letter, opponent draws one fewer tactics cards. And if they claim the uh, maneuver, enemy moves with a minus one to their move. So let's see what the timing of this. Uh, each NFC claims a zone. Uh, so what's the timing of replacing a an effect when you claim a zone? It's not replacing the effect. It's just um, resolving no, with that effect. Oh, Wait, I know. I'm I'm referring uh, when a friendly NCU claims. Okay, yes. I was referring to if it had um, to like let's say if I claimed uh, let's say the ta- uh, the letter and then. If you had to declare yours first, you'd go, opponent draws one fewer Texas card. And I'd go, ha-ha, I'm replacing it, and I'm not even drawing tactics cards. But no, they have the same timing, so you would have to replace yeah. the zone if you're replacing it. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I was checking to see if there was, like, the oh, loophole okay. gotcha. that would make him bad. <laughs> but um, let's see. He is five points. Um, I like him. Uh I am not going to go out there and say I'm going to be running them all the time. Um, But I like them. I even, you know, even though it would be a hefty 10 points, I'm excited to kind of run like Kyburn with Varus and just have all these like tokens that punish my opponent for taking any zone uh, on the board pretty much. Um, But beyond that, uh, I don't know. Uh, this is definitely one that I'm going to just go out there and say that I'd have to test him out to really get a feel for how much I'm going to like him. What about you? Oh, uh, so yeah. Now going back to what we were talking about with uh, Benjen and his tactics cards, there is a degree of sameness with these NCUs. They're kind of doing some things that are similar to stuff that already exists in the game. Uh, Kyburn is doing something really similar to what Forrest does, except it's the opposite end where you're punishing your opponent rather than gaining benefits, which is a cool idea, except I think all of these effects are pretty weak. Um, The only one that I really like is the letter, forcing your opponent to draw one fewer tactics card. But... As far as what you're getting out of the rest of the zones for a five-point NCU, and you can only do these four times for the entire game, I think they're on the weak side. Now, it is kind of funny as you were talking about replace effects. This could work on replace effects. If a 
player claims the sword and does assault orders, they're still going to be stuck at attacking with minus one attack rank or minus one ranks for their attack dice. If uh, yeah. enemy is uh, you know trying to do the same thing with the letters, then now they're moving with minus one speed. So it does cross over into those replace effects, but uh, again, man, I am just not feeling it with Kyburn. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I talked about it before on the discords. I thought that maybe his abilities could have been bumped up a little, maybe even doubled in some cases, maybe knock his order tokens down to three, uh, just to give him some, some more effect on the game. But yeah, I just, I'm not seeing, there is, you know, some memes where if you have a unit that's running around on one wound and they try to heal it, you could potentially kill it. <laughs> that's not that's not yep. going to happen very often. Uh, so yeah, because yeah. you can see it coming. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, he's struggling for me, especially at the five point mark. If he was four, then yeah, probably absolutely that would be fun to play around with. But five point NCU's again, when we were talking about Lannisters are already struggling with points, and bringing a five point NCU that just does it's just so underwhelming. His his overall effects. Uh, yeah, he's not yeah, for me. yeah, I'd I'd say Kyburn. The more I look at it, I agree. I think with his current effects, he'd be more appropriate at four points. Uh, and I would say that it would be cool if like Varus, you know, would go down to four. You might have to change like one or two of his abilities to be slightly weaker. Maybe like the hits be slightly weaker, mm-hmm. um, and then put him down to four points. And that'd be really cool to run both of them at eight points. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I definitely, even though he doesn't look all that great on paper, I still want to at least give him a try, uh, a fair shake. Um, all right. So next up we have Tommen Baratheon next in succession. Queen's influence. Tommen begins game with two order tokens. Each time Tommen claims his own, you may remove one order token from him. If you do perform the following, if you claim the crown, search your taxes deck for or discard pile for one fealty to the crown card to your hand. Shuffle your tactics deck. If you control, um, if you control the wealth, search your tactics deck for a disc or discard pile for one bribery card and add it to your hand. Shuffle your tactics deck. Um, so, um, I really like Tommen fealty. I'm kind of iffy about. The only reason it's such a good card, and the, so this is not to like put down fealty. I just have had bad luck with fealty. I, uh, most of my Lannister games, I'm sitting with fealty in my hand, and it always seems to be the games where my opponent never feels a panic, and I just like, what's the point of me holding this card? <laughs> Anyways, bribery I think is really cool because um, each time Tommy claims his own. So you can claim a zone, go get bribery, then replace the zone, play bribery. Uh, so I really I like that, that, uh, that kind works. of interaction. No? I don't think that works. No. I think that was covered. Uh, the, the, the timing window for being able to play, uh, play bribery has already passed at that point. Oh, yeah, because you would have to have it in your hand to declare the effect. Because you yeah. have to declare all your effects at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you could so, you could cycle them out, so you could play the one in your hand and then pull either that one. I'm not sure if you could pull the one that you just played and put it back in your hand, or if you pull it out of your deck or whatnot. But 
you can definitely cycle the bribery, but I don't think you can do that in the same turn. Yeah, you're you're definitely right. Um, I was thinking for a second, like you'd you'd declare one, grab it, get to declare the next. But yeah, you have to declare them all at the same time. Um, yeah. I'm still kind of excited about them. I think bribery is one of those really good cards that um, doesn't get uh, enough credit. Um, and I think combining, uh, you know, another thing to consider, he is only four points. Um, is another thing to consider is that you need him or Kyburn to run uh, Sir Robert Strong. So if you don't want to spend that one point on Kyburn, he's a, a, a decent four-point uh, NCU that will help unlock uh, Robert Strong. And, you know, uh, it could have some pretty cool combos with uh, running Tommen, Cersei, and Joffrey, uh, three NCUs, uh, to really just get insane amount of extra cards potentially. Um, you know, heck, run four NCUs, throw a, a Tyrion in there, and uh, get an extra counterplot. <laughs> um, what it, what's your thoughts on Tommen? I think Tommen's pretty good. Uh, being able to pull extra bribery is just being a thorn in your opponent's side, just being able to just constantly throw those out. I know they can be removed easy enough, but if you're throwing them out there potentially four times in a game, uh, they're going to have some impact. I think it's funny that Cersei is in the model, and she's on the picture, but she's not named in the name or she's not limited on the card. So you could potentially run Cersei and Tommen together, and if you pair them both with Joffrey, you could be potentially pulling all of these cards all in a round and either tutoring your deck and getting the cards out of there so you're potentially pulling your commander cards or just pulling them to be able to be used. Even further than that, you could be discarding them out of your hand if you can't use them at the moment with the knowledge that you could go under your discard pile and get them later. Uh, just, just keeping your hand fresh. I think uh, it's pretty wild that you could potentially pull that off. Uh, so, yeah, I think Tommen's fine. I think... Uh, the cards that he's getting are, are going to be useful. Uh, but yeah, like you said, provided that they're going to be failing their panic test for fealty. But uh, yeah, yeah, big fan. So uh, it does say Queen's influence. So I want to agree with you about Cersei being in the picture, but I don't know. The clothes seem a little not queenly like, and uh the picture makes her not look as uh, I'll put it as developed in the chest, meaning this could be, um, uh, his sister. Uh, what's her face? Marcella. Um, Marcella. Yes. Um, but like I said, it does say queen's influence as the effect. So who knows? Um, but anyways, with that said, uh, Going back to the combo with um, Tommen and Cersei, uh, four-point NCU, um, one thing I found with Cersei is in order to really make use of her ability the best, I like always I like to try to at least get two cards of the four cards, like you know, because you could potentially get four cards with each NCU. Uh, I like to get at least two of them from the discard pile. You know, it to me it makes me feel like I'm getting the full, uh, pretty much the full uh, use out of the NCU. 
anyways, with that said, sometimes you just don't draw. Let's say in, in the case with Cersei, you just don't draw uh, subjugation of power or hear me roar. And you're sitting there trying to get these cards, and you're like, man, I can't use any of the tokens because I don't want to go get them in the deck, and I don't want to waste them to go pull them out. I want to actually use them and then use the tokens to go grab them from the discard. Well, having the ability of both of them, having four card options, means you should be drawing into, uh, at minimum, one of them, if not two of them, to really help you to use these cards and then save the tokens, uh, because they only got two each, to go grab them from the discard pile. And with the timing of both Cersei and Tommen, you can trigger both of their orders uh, because they're not technically orders. Um, they're just order tokens representing the ability. And you can potentially pull, like you, I think you uh, made reference to it, up to four cards with each token, whether it be from the discard pile or the deck. So I think there's a lot of synergy there. You know, and obviously, if you run Joffrey Baratheon uh, five point NCU, you can really help help make sure that you're triggering uh, the maximum of those spots. Especially, you know, Joffrey right on the wealth one interaction, and now you control both zones. Granted, if your opponent has three, uh, um, no, sorry. So I think I read that wrong. So you won't be able to get four cards all at once. I believe each NCU would only be able to grab two only when they claim a zone. Let's see, each time Tom right. claims yeah, a zone. Yeah, that's correct. So, yep. so if your opponent only has two NCUs, you won't have to worry. If they do have three, that could really screw up some of your plans. Um, then again, you might not if need Tom in one round or Cersei another. If you're going first, then you can do Joffrey to the bags, and you'll still be able to run your other two uh, to claim yep. them as well. So you'll be able to, like, round one, and you pull four cards out of your deck. Uh, now, granted, your hand size is limited to five, so maybe a couple of those are going to have to go to the discard pile. But, like, round one, maybe you toss the subjugation, and maybe you toss the, uh, the fealty. You are still able to get those back when you need them, and now you're maybe drawing cards from your deck that you're going to be able to utilize better in round two. Well, and you'll be able to use the bribery. You should be able to use the bribery right away if, let's say, you take Joffrey on the bat, uh, the wealth. Then your mm-hmm. next one is Tommen to get that bribery. So that way, when Cersei goes, can use that bribery at the same time you yeah. declare hers. Use the bribery, get it out of your hand, then go get her cards. So there's some yep. really cool interactions with Tommen, even though it may not seem like super powerful. I think if you play enough games uh, and get get the timing down, get like the strategy down, you can really make uh, make him shine. All right, so last NCU to talk about is Kevin Lannister. I've been waiting for this guy for a long time. Um, uh, for me, he's one of my favorite characters in the books. Uh, granted, I've only uh, um, read up to end of book three, but uh, Kevin Lannister I like a lot. Um, you know, I'm not a huge Lannister uh, person in the books. You know, I'm not a big fan. Of, I'm not a huge fan of Jamie. Um, not a fan of Cersei or children, uh, but I really like Tywin. I really like Kevin. I like kind of that generation of the Lannisters. Um, so, super excited to have him in here. 
He is a five-point NCU. He has unbiased justice once per game at the start of any turn, target any number of friendly combat units. One of those units restores two wounds. One of those units removes all condition tokens. One of those units performs a two-inch shift um, until the end of the round. One of those units attacks uses its highest attack die value and may re-roll any attack dice, and the same combat unit may be targeted by multiple effects. Let's see. Uh, two, two, two. Okay, so I like him a lot. Um, I think it's super powerful. Personally, because this is uh, more of an, uh, you know, it's an effect on all your own units, and, you know, not all of them are going to be as useful all at the same time. Um, Grancy is one point cheaper than Tywin. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder, I think, to maximize him. Whereas, uh, I think Tywin, even though he's one point more, Tywin's all these offensive effects that are hitting your opponent, and you can combo them quite a bit, uh, and I think a lot more opportunities present themselves with Tywin. With Kevin, you're like, okay, a two-in shift, uh, I don't really need this right now, everything's engaged, uh, nothing has condition tokens, but healing two and then getting the other effect, I'm not saying he's not going to be usable, I'm just saying the window for his usefulness will be less, in my opinion. Uh, what's your thoughts? So when I first, my very first impression for Kevin was I love this NCU. Now, after I haven't really got to play very many games with him, but just thinking about it, think about the other interactions and being able to just kind of breathe a little bit and relax. Looking closer at him, I like this NCU. Uh, his effects are are a little weaker than you would expect out of this big once-per-game ability. Uh, two wounds is good. Three would be better, but two is good. Uh, he has access to some of the only token removal in Lannisters, which they have been dying for. If your unit gets weakened, you are weakened until your opponent says you're not or you claim the wealth <laughs> zone. Uh, and then the two-inch shift is good. would be nice if it was three, but it's two. And then I think one of the most interesting abilities out of this is actually the last one. Until the end of the round, one unit attacks with this highest attack die value and can get re-rolls. This also works on ranged. That means that if your unit is in a slugfest and is hitting with rerolls and then getting hit back and losing ranks, but then hitting again, you will always roll with your highest attack die value. It's not a one-off. So if you get multiple attacks in a round, let's say you're running Gregor and you have assault orders, uh, your unit's going to get a lot of mileage out of that last ability especially, say, a unit of pyromancers, if they're getting hit really hard and they're down to their last rank, they're still rolling the max attack die value with rerolls, which is great. So they're, they're good abilities, especially that last one, uh, the little weaker up front, but I really like the token removal. I have had more 10-hit charges with City Watch than I have with Knights of Casterly Rock because they're always getting weakened. 
So being <laughs> able to potentially remove that weakened token before I do my charge and maybe even get the reroll so I could charge through hindering terrain and not have to worry about it, uh, it it's good. It's not great. It's not overpowered. It's it's good. I like it. And that's that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's totally fair at five points. Um, you're just going to have to, as I say with Tywin, really have to be patient. You know, you're going to have to, you know, once per game abilities that are this, you know, that can be this game changing, you really just can't willy nilly use it. Because one, it's often not going to really get you much uh, mileage. But two, you're going to be like, "This is stupid. Why? Why would I even run him?" You know, you're going to have this bad taste in your mouth after running this expensive NCU. Um, you know, it's more so true for Tywin, but still, you know, you really have to be patient with these once per game uh, five or more point uh, NCUs. Because um, I, you know, I've had someone playing me with Tywin, uh, and literally, very first uh, turn of the first round, pop Tywin, and do all these effects, like, oh, this token, this, he's hits, and all these, he can't have any abilities. I'm like, oh, okay, wealth zone? I mean, <laughs> uh, that was great, and now you your six-point NCU is all used up. You know, you really have to be uh, mindful of the best opportunity to use them. Um, all right, so next up, we have the commanders. Um, now, uh, Cyrus, correct me if I'm wrong. We have two commanders to talk about, and that's it? There's no hidden commander. There's only two. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So the first one we'll talk about, um, and I will be honest, it's been a while since I read these two, but I did read them. Um, I'm going to save Kevin for last just simply because uh, – you know, he's the one I've been excited for. I'm not sure which one is better. Uh, but Adam Marbrand is who we'll talk about. we got Commander of the City Watch. He comes with Hardened and Iron Resolve. Hardened being every time an enemy performs an attack on this unit. After rolling defense dice, this unit blocks plus one hit and an additional plus one hit for each of its destroyed ranks. And Iron Resolve, this unit gains plus one to panic test rolls and suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests. Uh, his cards are Charismatic Leadership. Uh, when a friendly unit is targeted by an enemy order, NC, uh, NCU, or tactics zone, before resolving that effect, the unit performs one morale test. On a success, cancel the effect of that order, NCU, or tactics zone. If they are in short range of Adam Marbrand's unit, gain plus two to their morale test roll. He has Lash Out, super strong card. After an enemy completes a melee attack, if the defender was not destroyed, the attacker suffers two wounds for each of the defender's destroyed ranks. If the defender is Adam Marbrand's unit, the attacker also becomes panicked. His last card is Valiant Example. After Adam Marbrand's unit passes a morale test, all, all other friendly units in long range restore one wound, plus one wound for each destroyed rank in Adam, Adam's unit then restore two wounds to Adam's unit. Um, I'll start out with Lash Out. Lash Out, super, super good card. This card against, like, solos can be game-changing. Um, you know, granted, you'd have to do a mirror match, but I can't tell you how many times I've killed the Mountain that Rides from a Lash Out. Um, you know, it's... 
it's such a strong card in any commander, any faction, any time. Um, and then one thing, other thing I wanted to point out with charismatic leadership, if I'm not mistaken, it says, let's see, a friendly unit is targeted by an enemy order, NCU, or tactics zone. Um, before resolving that effect, uh, the unit performs one morale test on success, can cancel that order, NCU, or tactics zone. As far as tactics zones, only the crown actually targets his unit, right? So, like, that is not necessarily the true. They can be targeted by the token oh, replace of the effects. letters. No, oh, by the token of the letters. Yes. But you can pick the order, so you can draw your cards and then attempt to place the token. So this was discussed. Then... This was discussed. Uh, it does not say, and then, like, this is a step-by-step process. It's all one ability on that zone. And the card says, if this is targeted by a zone, cancel the effect of that zone. So it's not an if and then. It's not draw two cards and then place a token. It's all one thing. So I think if the letters is turned off, that player does not draw tactics cards. So this is probably going to have to be FAQ'd. But if you run Adam Marbrand against your opponent, you're probably going to have to tell them, look, if th- this is how this, this reads right now. And if you draw those cards, you're probably going to have to shuffle them back into your deck. So you should probably go ahead and tell me and lead with if you're targeting a unit with a, with a token, you're going to have to tell me first before you start drawing cards. Yep. Yeah, that'll be super tricky because then that uh... – one thing I know CMON needs to add to the rule book, they need to add a section about the tactics deck because there's no clear rules on what you do when mistakes are made with the tactics deck because tactics deck is it's a deck. It's like a card game in, the, in that sense. And card games all have like stipulations of what happens when you accidentally do something. For example, accidentally drawing too many cards, there's interactions of what you do with those cards. Because some people would say, okay, just shuffle them back in. Some people would say, show them to your opponent, stick them back on top, or show them to your opponent and stick them on bottom. Um, Some would say, if you've already put them in your hand and there's no way to differentiate which ones were what, you have to do whatever you're choosing to do with the whole hand of cards and then draw back up to the number in which you would have had without those extra cards. And some, uh, if you want to go super strict, if you're talking about high-end tournaments, you just lose, like... I know that sounds silly to some people, but some people it would just be straight up you you have a game loss. Um, I know I'm not advocating yeah, for that. That's a DQ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's DQ. You broke the rules. Yep. So with that all that little rant out of the way, um, just to go back to Cyrus's point, you know, talk with your opponent. Um, always try to. Uh, proactively seek out the potential problems that you might come across. In this case, you know, expressing that concern, hey, this is kind of a murky thing, and you can say it before the game even starts, because I know some people were concerned, well, if I say that, they're going to know I have this card in my hand, and not necessarily, just, you know, occasionally, like, say at the beginning of the game, and then occasionally remind them. Um, uh, Because uh, 
that way it, it will help uh, make sure that they don't um, know that you have this card or not. Granted, with that said, um, this card has so much potential. I don't know if stopping the tactic zone is necessarily worth it. It could be. Uh, and then stopping a, a panic test, again, could be, especially if your unit's about to just die from that panic test. But there's so much more potential for this card. that uh, So it might be a moot point in a lot of cases. But, uh, but with that said, I'll let you uh, take away with the, the rest, uh, rest of his abilities and cards. Okay, so one thing that I really like about Adam is there is not a single unit in Lannisters that he's not good in, that he doesn't fit. Hard Deny and Resolve works in every single unit and makes them better, which is just great to think about. It gives you a lot of options and versatility. Now, I know the top option out there for him right now is Warrior Sons because of the ability to potentially stack Hardened and the Faith-Hardened abilities together. I know that that's a huge thing, and I know that many people's hair will be pulled out and there will be much gnashing of teeth, but I, I don't think that is going to be the always home for him because of his versatility and just the just the multitude of different abilities or different units that he could fit in. I mean, he could fit in. Uh, we've been talking about pyromancers, dome and pyromancers. Their morale becomes better, and as soon as they start taking some hits, and you know maybe they could be able to throw up to lash out or valiant example to heal back up or the the charismatic leadership to block uh, adverse effects on the unit. Uh, let's see, city watch or a mountains men. I mean, being able to give them more defense and better morale. Uh, it's just, there's so many options that you could put Adam in. I hate to think that he gets pigeonholed in warrior sons just because of the, the super crazy meme of the double hardened effects. Uh, as far as the cards go, they're all great. I mean, it's like you were saying with lash out, it just reminded me of how much I gushed about uh, Boris Blount. And our in the Lannister reveal <laughs> for the 2021. Yep. Uh, imagining him in a unit that gets lash out on their last rank, the enemy takes seven wounds back. I mean, good God! <laughs> it's like that unit will never get attacked, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and charismatic leadership just adding to the control elements so that you'd be able to say, "No, your NCU cannot influence this unit," or or you cannot. There's not a whole lot of orders that actually target enemy units, but it would be because ah, I don't think an attacker counts as a unit that has been targeted. So yeah, there's there's a, there's a handful of orders that might potentially target them, but tactics cards, yeah, there's plenty of tactics cards that could potentially target a, a friendly unit. Uh, and the Valiant example has the potential of just doing this big bloom of a heal to all of your units within range. Uh yeah, they're they're actually, great cards. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say uh, it actually oddly does not mention tactics cards, only tactics zones. Oh, tactics zones. Sorry, yeah, uh, I, I misspoke there. Uh, they got the two no, tactics good. zones that could potentially uh, target uh, NCU abilities. Uh, I'm assuming mel. not just influence, but uh, yeah, mel. Uh, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but there's a handful of just abilities that could potentially target. 
uh, and then just enemy orders, you'd have to be watching very specifically for if the enemy order will actually target your unit or not. Uh, but yeah, still still plenty of uh, good control stuff. Interactions that we have actually haven't had before. Uh, yeah, I just think he's great. He's going to be a lot of fun, which is, which is good because it feels like we haven't had a new commander in Lannister's for a long time. Uh, so it's nice to get these new options in. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, so one thing, uh, forgive me if I somehow missed it. Did you mention the comboing of hardened with, uh, warrior sons? Yes. Cause yeah. uh, you, you okay. can stack them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that could be a little nutty. Um, especially if you have, um, ways to, I don't know if there are ways, but are there ways to force a panic on, or a morale on yourself if you're putting Adam in Warrior Sons? Shooting into combat with a ranged unit. Okay, then yeah. So it could get pretty crazy. I mean, that is practically going to be an unkillable unit um, if you can guarantee that you ha- <clears throat> uh, have uh, a ton of faith tokens to double up Hardened. I mean, because at last rank, that's what... Um, Blocking six, six. Yep. with a morale of uh, of four. four with minus one to the wound, uh, to yep. the panic wound. So, yeah, that is almost literally going to be an unkillable unit because uh, one uh, gripe I do have with Hardened and pretty much all these hit effects, my opinion, they should just block and then you roll your defense. It should not be roll your defense and block as many as that you didn't block because then it becomes too strong. I think uh, just blocking the dice outright, then roll your de- uh, your defense uh, provides much more chance that you at least fail one. Um, so I, don't know, I, I think they should, the, have a, they should be uh, minus attack dice. Now, I, I, that might mess you, with giants, but I, I think that like, the harden instead of minus one or block block one auto hit, it's uh, just minus one attack die when they start. So when you're well, at your last fair, rank, I, they're throwing three less three less dice. To be fair, I think they should have added in the. I mean, maybe they did it on purpose, but they should add in the rule book that uh, whenever you get minus dice, it should be to a minimum of one, anyways. Like you shouldn't be allowed oh, to go. be reduced yeah. to zero. Um, yeah. And if that was implemented, then that would kind of remove that. Right. But yes, I think uh, I think that would possibly be. It wouldn't make a lot of sense with the name but as far as the practicality of the ability I think would be much better uh, with what you're saying with minusing to the uh, total dice um, alright so uh, overall really like it uh, Valiant example great uh, great card it also has the effect of start of any turn draw a card in case uh, Marbrand somehow in some way dies uh, then last up we have Kevin Lannister protector of the realm he has Lannister Supremacy. After an enemy completes an attack on this unit, tar- target the attacker. They suffer one panic test with minus one to the roll and plus one wounds on failure to each uh, for each remaining rank in this unit. And then he has Might of the Throne. 
each time a friendly NCU claims the crown, you may replace that zone's effect with Kevin Lannister's unit performs one attack or charge action. His cards are uh, seeing their flaws. After an enemy combat unit completes an action, that enemy becomes vulnerable and panicked. Attach this card to that enemy until the end of the round. While attached, while Kevin Lannister's unit is attacking that enemy, the enemy loses all abilities and cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards. He also has predictable maneuvers. Start of an enemy turn. Target one enemy combat unit and one enemy NCU. If either perform, uh, if either unit performs an action this turn. Before they resolve that action, one friendly combat unit performs one attack, maneuver, or retreat action. And then his last card is Wealth of the Rock. When an enemy is performing an attack after rolling dice, target the defender. If you control the crown, the defender gains plus two to their panic test roll. If you control the wealth, the defender gets plus one to their defense dice rolls. If this targets Kevin Lannister's unit, you count as controlling both zones. Amazing. It's back. Um, I, yeah, uh, that was my favorite part. Of, not to, you know, put down any of the other effects, but that was my favorite part. Seeing that in there, and I will let you take it away with uh, Kevin here. All right. So Kevin, of all of the reveals, uh, attachments, NCUs, even Adam Marbrand, uh, Kevin Commander is my favorite. His attachment, uh, giving a supremacy kind of like Tywin does. Uh, but the might of the throne and being able to get attacks by claiming the crown zone is just absolutely terrific. Uh, you could potentially throw him in a unit of crossbows and get a better version of what Bronn does with, uh, with his uh, uh, loyalty through coin, uh, being able to get free attacks from the coin zone the Lancers just get so much more use out of the crown and being able to claim it to shoot is, is just so good. And not just with crossbows, but with any unit that you put Kevin in. Uh, but on the, the crossbows topic, if you put Kevin in crossbows, they're going to win just about every single ranged duel that they're going to have because they're going to have access to multiple attacks and supremacy and wealth of the rock because crossbows are now four defense. You could have them down to three defense and five morale. They're going to outlast any face off with an enemy ranged unit in the game and win. So that was my first thought. It's like, okay, put them in crossbows. But just about any other unit is going to benefit from the extra attacks and the supremacy and just the strength of his cards. Uh, seeing their flaws, great. We see it in Alistair Thorne and the Night's Watch, and uh, I can't remember. I believe there's one other commander that has seen their flaws. I could be wrong. Uh, great. More control for, for the Lannisters, being able to turn off abilities that he, that he is attacking and getting out some good tokens. And then predictable maneuvers we see with Mance is such a good card, especially if you've got ranged units out on the field or units that have, are engaged and be able to threaten a really hard uh, attack action to be able to control what your opponent does on their turn 
is just really useful and just a great fit for what the Lancers are trying to do. So great cards, great attachment, a lot of potential for him. I see Kevin doing great things uh, moving forward. Oh, yeah. I I agree. Uh, he's definitely the number one thing I'm excited for with Lannister's uh, coming out. Um, predictable maneuvers. You know, now that they've changed the rules that uh, if you're engaged, you have to perform an uh, attack or retreat action. Um, you can wait. You know, it may not be the best uh, option, uh, you know, but if you want to guarantee that you get the attack, maneuver, or retreat, you just wait until they literally have one unit left that is engaged. No NCUs, no nothing. It's literally their last action. They can't not choose it, and they can't not perform an action, giving you an auto attack. You can even combo it right into seeing their flaws, um, you know, you can start of enemy turn, declare, I don't know, uh, we'll say uh, some Ironborn Reavers uh, that are engaged, uh, perform an action. Before they do, you'll get to attack them um, for free. Then they go. They'll do whatever they're going to do. Then you play Seeing Their Flaws. Uh, after they complete their action, you make them vulnerable and panicked then now you get to go, uh, potentially get to go if you have uh, equal, um, if you have uh, combat units still to go, um, and then make use of that vulnerable panic. Um, there's so much like cool things you can kind of do with uh, with Kevin here. And the combination of predictable, predictable maneuvers and um, might of the throne give you a lot more free attacks than you're probably thinking you're going to have. Um, now, with this said, taking the actual actually taking the crown and replacing it, um, it means that you're going to be taking the crown uh, whenever you can, I'm assuming, uh, which means you're less obligated to take Joffrey. You still might take Joffrey because you might you know want to make sure you have the crown every round, but I feel like Kevin is you know. Things that are actively telling you, hey, you don't need to take Joffrey are a good thing. Because I feel like Joffrey, uh, this isn't like a, a bad thing, but Joffrey often kind of seems like a crutch. Like, like man, I feel like I have to run Joffrey. I got to get all these effects off because, you know, a lot of the crown effects are so good for um, uh, Lannisters. And Lannisters have so many um, crown and wealth uh, triggers that Joffrey just, he cuts those in half. Um, but I think Kevin having this uh, thing that proactively wants you to physically take the crown um, helps uh, helps you be able to diversify your list building. And I think that's a great thing in itself. Love what they did with Wealth of the Rock. Um, they turned a pretty good card into an amazing card, in my opinion. Granted, it's, you know, if it's not Kevin, it's locked behind two different zones, but uh, it's zones you already wanted for so many other effects, so it's it's not as big of a deal when they continue to add, you know, cards that uh, need those zones, because it's not like it changed up your game plan. It was already something you're gunning for, so overall, super excited to play them. Um, 
also having Lannister supremacy, I think, uh, is great as well. Um, Lannister supremacy is an insane, uh, insanely strong ability that can turn games on its own, depending on your opponent's uh, morale. Uh, and knowing that you don't have to run to, uh, Tywin uh, uh, Commander anymore to get it uh, on a unit that wouldn't normally have it is uh, a great thing. So, so real, real said, quick that... on the uh, oh, real quick on the claiming the crown for the Maya of the Throne, and I, I, uh, to further expand on my point about it about how it's more beneficial than the attacks that are made off of claiming the bag. What when you start, you might claim the swords first and do your attack with the swords. Uh, if you have a unit that's wanting to attack with the bags as well your opponent's going to take the bags from you and heal from that and gain a great benefit from that and block you from getting the extra attack. But with the crown zone, if your opponent wants to block you from using the crown, they're going to have to claim it themselves. And if they don't have a replace effect, they're not getting as much benefit as they were when they were claiming the bags to block. So there's a little bit of a disincentive for your opponent like, yeah, I could block this attack, but now I'm going to have to take the crown. It's not going to be as beneficial to me. Uh, and you're still going to be able to get an attack with your activation later. So it just gives that unit more options uh, to be able to pull off those extra attacks and limit your opponent's response to it. So I just think it's perfect. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Littlefinger has been doing some insider trading, and now his his stock has gone up. You know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. being able to take take a, the crown and use something different. But with you mentioning that, you know, a great uh, combo to run with Kevin is run Bron, uh, one yeah. point per high value, and now you know you can almost guarantee minimum one extra attack every round, uh, if not two. You know, you take the free attack, shoot, they're forced to take some, like, you almost are, they're forced to take the bags at that point because, um, like you said, they don't want to take the crown. So they're going to have to take the bags. You then take the crown, you get another free attack. Um, And if they don't take the bags, um, you take the bags, get a free attack. And then now they're back in that same situation of, I don't want to take the crown but now you're going to get a third attack. So, and that's all for one point. Kevin's free, one point brawn, and now you have all this crazy tactics board uh, manipulation. I think that combo could be perfect for uh, um, running like a 4-3 uh, combo, you know, for uh, uh, combat units, three NCUs, and really just laying into all these free attacks with... Uh, um, with the NCUs. And then on top of that, Lannister, um, Lannister crossbows that? go burr. Oh yeah. The crossbowmen with, uh, Kevin can be like your cheapish unit that allows you to spend more points into the other three to do what they need to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it could be, it could get quite, uh, crazy. Um, you know, especially, uh, one thing to consider, uh, your opponent could be like, okay, I'm going to activate this unit. I'm going to march them. All right, seeing their flaws. Vulnerable panicked. Maneuver zone. Move up. 
All right, cross event, shoot you. You're vulnerable panicked. <laughs> uh, with the crown. <laughs> All right, shoot you again. Um, you know, it's there's so many cool things you can do, so I'm super excited. Um there's I would say out of the three boxes, um, the three uh hero boxes, overall this is probably the one I'm the most excited about, mostly because of Kevin and a couple of things here or there. I would say like as a whole, if I were to grade each box, this this box has a lot of stuff that I'm just kinda not super excited about, so it kind of brings the whole content of the box brings it down a little bit, but that's not to say that I'm super excited to at least give everything a try. Um, hero boxes are always my favorite thing for stuff to come out. You know, it adds so much value to your faction opposed to like one combat unit that you might or might not throw in your list. But when you have, uh, for example, in here, um, five attachments, three NCUs, two commanders, you're bound to have at least one of these uh, in every single one of your lists for the next, you know, however many games you play, giving it all a try. So I can't wait for these to finally get to, to my shop. Um, I don't think there's like an official release date, but I'm sure it won't be too long, maybe another uh, couple weeks to like a month or something. So we'll have to see. So uh, I sometimes suffer from a degree of childish impatience. And I couldn't wait, so I went ahead and ordered mine from the UK. Uh, they'll be here this week. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I went ahead and ordered the Night's Watch and the Lannisters. They're going to be my focus point, uh, focus uh, for a while. Uh, I do have Targaryens and Starks, but uh, I'm probably going to be focusing on Night's Watch and, and, and Lannisters for a while. I think the Night's Watch box has the least to gripe about of all of the boxes that have been revealed so far. I think the only thing that could be construed as a dud would be maybe Dollars Ed, because uh, he's two points with the conditional effect. Uh, there are some clunkers here in, in the Lannister Heroes 3 box, but not many. Not as many as people have, uh, have assumed uh, but that just comes from me loving Robert Strong so much. Not everybody does, but I do. Yeah, I'd agree. I think uh, I think what only slightly takes away from this box is the fact that it has Jamie, maimed Jamie and Mountain Behemoth. But granted, we all knew it was coming. They had to get him included uh, at some point. And, you know, they're in here. It's They got new sculpts, which is cool. It's over and done with, you know, way down the line once we get uh, Lannister Hero Box 4. You know, we won't have to worry about these Kickstarters being in there, but uh, it's finally nice to see them in there. Um, you know, and we'll talk about the Stark one, I believe, tomorrow with me and Brett. Uh, but, you know, we'll, I believe, uh, after this round of Hero Boxes, every Kickstarter um, model will be officially released. There will be no more discussion about it. The, not that there's all that much discussion anymore, but uh, there'll just be, like, in the rearview mirror, and out of the way. So um, I would say the only real, uh, if we'd call it a dud in this whole box, is probably just Adam Marbrand, uh, Trusted Bannerman. Two points for that. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot uh, to invest in something that's very situational. Um, so we'll see what they do with him. Uh, but overall, 
uh, super excited. So what's your overall takeaway of the box as we wrap up here? Uh, it is very necessary, especially those commanders. We had, uh, what was the last commander that we got? Jeez. Uh, was it Joffrey? I mean, in, in Hero yep. Box 2? I mean, that's been a while. <laughs> so, yeah, great to Pretty be able to play with some new started. commanders. Yeah. Uh, some of these attachments are going to be fun to play with, give us a, some new options, uh, some you know, more ability to be able to lean into our forever 4-3 faction. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I like the box. It's not you know, perfect. Like I said, there are some things to, to gripe about with this box uh, as far as uh, some clunkers and some things that just don't seem to quite work. There is that, like we did talk about, that, that level of sameness with how some of the NCUs are just alternate versions of stuff that we've already seen. But even with that, they're still doing enough different things that could provide some variety in list building and some fun that we're going to be able to play around with. So it, it's very welcome, very needed. I, I can't wait to get them. Yep, and, uh, you know, the – see, nothing was an influence, right? Okay, so no Jack and shenanigans. So, um, right. so yeah, it'll, <laughs> it'll be uh, interesting to see. Um, I can't wait uh, to get it all – you know, on the field and, you know, on the table. Uh, but, don't do that. Uh, you know, I could get copy, copy, copy strike. strike. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't come after us, Chase. I promise. We're, yeah. We're on your team. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, one of those things we're always looking forward to, as you were mentioning about the, you know, last time we got a hero, or sorry, a uh, commander, you know, anyone who's kind of been playing this from the get-go, uh, Lannisters was, uh, Lannisters and Sharks were the first two factions, and then if you count neutrals, but um, the hero box, one for each Starks and Lannisters, came out with the Kickstarter, and that provided you... Uh, all of the current commanders except for Joffrey. And Joffrey wasn't too far down the line after that. So, um, you know, we're not kidding when we're saying Lannister. It's been a long time since Lannister's had a new commander. Uh, and even then, Joffrey's kind of, uh, he's kind of a different, he's a commander, obviously, but he, because of his unique play style, he almost feels like he's in his own category, if that makes sense. Um, so these will be the first, like, two commanders, um, that aren't, like, this, like, super unique play style with, you know, like, because Joffrey gives up the extra VPs and has his honor guard and yada yada. So these will almost be, like, the first two since almost the game came out for Lannisters that are, like, just straight up, um, no, like, hidden, uh, um, strategies or anything like that to like Joffrey. So uh, it'll definitely be a nice uh, bit of freshness uh, added to the faction. Um, so, all right, with that said, we're going to wrap it up, um, do a couple shout-outs. You know, uh, I want to shout-out uh, um, Gamer ha Gamers Haven uh, 
qualifier event, which is May 21st. Myself and Spencer will be going to that one. Uh, so definitely try to make it out. Um, uh, contact uh, Bob uh, for entry, and I believe they are on asongviceofirestats.com uh, where you can sign up as well. Um, they do have limited spots, so uh, sooner rather than later, make sure you're signing up. Um, and even if you can't pay at the moment, still get yourself signed up and on the waiting list uh, and then contact Bob uh, about uh, about the rest. Um, it is a qualifier event, so be prepared for some uh, tough uh, competition. But with that said, they are sort of gearing gearing it towards more of a friendlier environment. Uh, I believe they have a handful of new players that will be uh, joining, so that's why they reduced the entry fee from 30 down to 20. Um, so keep that in mind. That's why I'm more than likely, because I already have a qualified Gen Con, I'll probably be bringing one, uh, like, super competitive list and one, you know, kind of semi-competitive, depending on if I end up facing one of the newer players. So granted, that's not something you have to do if you plan to go. Uh, just kind of something I thought about doing. Um, and then, uh, Cyrus, did you have any shout-outs you wanted to do? Yes, we have our own regional that just got put up on the calendar. It's going to be in Kansas City, Missouri, actually Overland Park, which is just outside of Kansas City, at Tabletop Game and Hobby. It is going to be June 11th. Uh, we are also going to have limited space. It's not a huge uh, store, but we plan on having a table limit of, I think, 30 players, uh, which should be fine. But anybody that needs to qualify, this is going to be late in the qualifying season. So if you've missed your spot, you're welcome to come down and give it a shot if you're in the uh, central United States. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing anybody that decides to show up. This is going to be my one crack at qualifying for nationals because I'm not able to make a whole lot of road trips. Uh, probably going to have only one in me for the year. So uh, this will be my one crack at trying to qualify for, for nationals. And hopefully uh, we get a full 16. That way it's not just one qualifier for nationals. It will be able to qualify four. So anyway, that's my only shout out. I'm hoping to, uh, to get some turnout there and turn it into a fun one. And, sorry, where did you say this one was at? Tabletop Game and Hobby in Overland Park, Kansas, just outside of Kansas City, Missouri, which is where I'm from. So there's Kansas City, Missouri, okay. Kansas City, Kansas. It gets very confusing. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> Overland Park, Kansas. Okay, so, but you said outside, just outside of Missouri? Oh, so it's on, like, so, the west side yeah. of Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri just sits right in between Missouri and Kansas. Then there's, it's just like half of the city is in Missouri and half of the city is in Kansas. And then just outside of the Kansas City, Kansas, there's Overland Park, Kansas, which is where the store is at. But I'm on the Missouri side. It's it's a lot of, yeah, it's very confusing. We have a very <laughs> uh, distinct split personality here in the city. So, yeah. So with that said, everyone listening, please, please make sure you are making sure you have the correct address. We'd hate for anyone to uh, end up in Missouri and far away and not able to make it by the, you know, on time. <laughs> um, yes. And, um, I ha I've put the uh, the link up in the discords. Uh, I think a Sunday Slaughter discord. 
Uh, I'll throw it up in the uh, small council radio one as well. Also, we are do we do have the tournament up in stats as well, uh, so you'll be able to find it on there. And I, I do have the correct address on there, so you should be able to find it. Awesome. And then uh, I'm still waiting to hear back. Um, it's been like two weeks now. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there, but uh, I will update everyone if anything does change. Uh, we're supposed to be having the Illinois qualifier. Um, Actually, as uh, on the same exact day as the uh, as your guys is on the 11th, but um, with yours being relatively close to us, I think you're about eight hours away or so. Um, they might ask us to move it. Um, I'll see what I can do about moving it. My shop uh, is in high demand. Um, it was like one of the only Saturdays we could find that my shop uh, would be able to give us the required table space to qualify for a qualifier event. Um, but I'm going to see what I can do because uh, I definitely would like to make it out to your event as well because eight hours is kind of my limit uh, right now with so much going on. It's kind of like how far I'm willing to drive at the moment. Um, so I definitely would like to get out to more than just gamer Gamers Haven, um, so we'll see about that. But I will keep everyone updated. So just keep in in the back of your mind that there will uh, we are working on an Illinois qualifier event, um, and we will we're shooting for the 11th because of just table space and whatnot. But if not, I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll see about the 18th. It's going to be the week after that. Um, and then yeah, like I said, I'll keep you updated. Um, awesome. Well, all right. I hope you can make it. Yep, me too. Um, so, uh, if uh, if you do go to my event, I will be uh, hosting it. So um, I will not be playing in that one unless there's an odd number of people. Then I, you know, I'll play in it to avoid buys, but I won't be accepting any any prize, any anything. I won't get any of the placings. I literally will be a placeholder, but I'll be playing an actual list so that way I'm not like giving away free wins, if that makes sense. Um, uh, but uh, so keep that in mind. Um, lots of prizes. I uh, the store will be providing a lot of prize support. Simon will be uh, providing a lot of prize support. I'll be providing a lot of prize support. So it'll definitely be something you won't want to miss. Uh, with that said, thank you so much, uh, Cyrus, for coming on. I appreciate you uh, spending basically two hours, you know, just talking about, you know half of the time with Nice Watch and half the time with uh, with Lannisters. Um, yeah, but, no problem. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, for everyone that haven't listened to it yet, we did talk about the uh, pretty much the full Nice Watch box uh, on the last episode. The next episode I'm working on trying to do it with Brett tomorrow morning, or not morning, but, you know, like lunchtime, uh, and we'll get that one out. We'll be talking about Starks and everything in there. Um, and we're going to try to pump these uh, out for you, uh, try to not only get them out of the way and start talking about other things, but uh, just to kind of make up for the weeks where we haven't uh, given you guys a lot of episodes. So um, with that said, everyone, I appreciate you listening in. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.